100%. That's the word from Greg Abbott. He's the governor of Texas. He made the announcement just a little while ago that as of next Wednesday, Texas will be 100% open and all mask mandates are lifted. The Republican Party in Texas, at least a lot of people in the party, were not thrilled with uh, with him for putting those mask mandates in uh, in place several months ago. Um, so as good as the news is down there, there are some people who are saying it's too little too late. Coming up after the break, I'll be speaking to Brian Preston of PJ Media. He's been on the show here a few times, and he is in Texas. So I'm going to find out how this is going over down there. That's why I wanted to get him on. Meanwhile, about an hour ago, Tate Reeves, the governor of Mississippi. How, how can you uh, not be the governor of Mississippi if your name is Tate Reeves? What a perfect name for the governor of Mississippi. Anyway, he tweeted this, quote, Starting tomorrow, we are lifting all of our county mask mandates and businesses will be able to operate at full capacity without any state-imposed rules our hospitalizations and case numbers have plummeted, and the vaccine is being rapidly distributed. It is time, exclamation point, unquote. Meanwhile, up here in Pennsylvania, we are supposed to be forever grateful to His Excellency Tom Wolf for granting permission to 2,800 people to show up for a Penguins game tonight in a, uh, in a building that holds 18,000. And then there's Governor Gavin Newsom of California. He's a beauty. He tweeted a one-word response to Abbott's announcement about Texas about an hour ago. And here it is. Reckless. Does that surprise you? Now, I don't know if Abbott responded to him, but he should have uh, with a one-word answer. Recall. Because that's that's where Gavin may be headed. They have the 1.5 million... um, signatures that they need so maybe this is the beginning of the end of the insanity who knows i've seen accounts from people who have come back from florida on twitter and other places and they say going there causes culture shock people walking around without masks crowded restaurants um they're just they're stunned that 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 they've forgotten what reality is like and when they go to places like this they're seeing it again and they're gonna uh, people who go to places like this texas mississippi florida they're going to come back with a lot less patience for the stupidity, I think. So, uh, And this should be a, a sign to uh, governors everywhere. If they can do it in Texas, Mississippi, Florida, South Dakota, they can do it in your state. And we'll talk about Texas after the break. Uh, and by the way, in our second half hour, we're going to talk about a story that's going to come up in a couple of days that's going to knock COVID-19 and Andrew Cuomo right off the front page. Stick around. Now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. They're made in the USA, and for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium my pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for $29.98. That's regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. All my pillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. 
Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. 800-716-8087, promo code STAG. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Pounds and pounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Dixie and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful Catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I would seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Benjamin Franklin once wrote, <laughs> Nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Uh, hold on there, Benji. <sighs> you can't even rely on that much thanks to identity thieves. Pardon? Tax forms have all your personal info in one place. And this is the season when it can get emailed, shared, and possibly exposed to identity thieves. They might even try to file your tax return before you do. This shan't stand. No, it shan't. Because LifeLock monitors your info and alerts you to identity threats. If you become a victim, a dedicated U.S.-based specialist will help fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions. But LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Join today and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART for 25% off at LifeLock.com. And remember, 25% saved is 25% earned. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. Well, in case you've forgotten, uh, today is Texas Independence Day, so it was a good day for the governor, Greg Abbott, to announce that he's opening the state up 100% as of next Wednesday, and all mask mandates are lifted. So how's it playing down there? I wanted to talk to somebody down in Texas to find out, and Brian Preston of PJ Media 
was nice enough to come on on short notice. Brian, really, I really appreciate you coming on. This is kind of breaking news, and uh, I'm glad to have someone from Texas on to talk about it. Thanks for doing it. Well, howdy, John. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, and, and glad to come on. I love your bumper when you talk about being exposed to toxic masculinity. That made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah, well, just your beware, you know, because you might you might be exposed to it. Did this come out of nowhere today, or was this expected? Uh, a little bit of both. There was an announcement yesterday, March first, that the governor was going to come out and say something significant. And most folks in Texas are aware of what March 2nd is, which is Texas Independence Day, the day we, in 1836, declared independence from Santa Ana's dictatorship in Mexico. And so there was speculation that Abbott would use March 2nd to lift some form of COVID mandates in, in some way. I think the extent to which he lifted everything is a bit of a surprise, 100% open potentially next Wednesday. So is that uh, so? So it's not a it's not a uh, coincidence that this happened on Independence Day. No, a hundred percent not a coincidence. I mean, the fact is, because of the winter storm of a couple of weeks ago, Governor Abbott has needed a positive headline and yeah. has been kind of looking around for one because a couple of layers down from his management is the entity called ERCOT that left you know millions of Texans without power in the worst storm we've had in a century. So right. we needed to get a headline, and this was a great way to generate a good headline, and it happens to be the right thing to do. So is Independence Day uh, in Texas a big thing? Do people celebrate it? I mean, is it like a mini July 4th down there? A little bit. I mean, you won't see the huge fireworks shows, but you will see a ceremony at the Alamo, at least in normal years. Of course, this year, last year, both not really normal years. But you'll yeah. see ceremonies down there. It's a state holiday for state government workers, and you'll talk about it in schools and things like that. So it's not quite as big as July 4th, but it's a big deal. Now, is there celebrating in the streets as we speak here? I mean, I'm trying to imagine <laughs> if, if today the governor here had announced that everything was open. Uh, I got a feeling it would be like the Steelers just won the Super Bowl. There'd be people out, you know, filing into the streets, <laughs> beeping their horns and doing all that. You had to bring up a painful subject of Super Bowl victories, which the Cowboys haven't had in far too long. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there will be next week. The, the The mandates don't actually go away until Wednesday, and that includes the right. potentially opening 100% of businesses and the lifting of the mask mandates. And I think potentially on the businesses, because businesses will have the choice now. They can open up to 100% if they want to, they don't have to. Um, I think most of them will, and I, but I think you'll see kind of a patchwork between the larger cities and the smaller towns. For instance, in Austin, I, I think you'll still see some businesses restricting flow and probably even mandating masks and temperature checks. But if you go out to places like Lano where you get some of the best barbecue in the world, they're not going to be messing around with any of this stuff. They're going to let everybody in there. There are going to be masks, and people are going to be chowing down on brisket. Like, uh, you know, like we've been pent up for a year, which we have. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to ask you about the difference between you're in Austin, right? I am. Yes, sir. And that's a very liberal city uh, in the middle of uh, a pretty conservative state, or at least, you know, uh, surrounded by a, a conservative state. Yeah. Um, so, what will the re difference in the reaction be? I, I, I see differences here in, in Western PA. Uh, in how people react to the masking and all that stuff, 
just from one township to another. There's a, I, I talked about it on the air the other day, uh, 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 an area called Mount Lebanon here. I don't know what's happened. I, I grew up in that area, and there are people walking around uh, on side streets, walking their dogs with no humans within 500 feet of them with masks on. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's not the same everywhere. Is that the case down there? Yeah, that's the case down here. In, in fact, uh, it's funny that you bring up you know, Austin versus the rest of the state. Because I think one thing you will see, and there is a fly in the ointment of, of the balm, if you will, that, that Governor Abbott gave us today, which is that county judges are still going to have some power to restrict businesses and mandate masks and that sort of thing. I put some restrictions on them. They can't just do it willy-nilly like they were. Uh, yeah. But they'll still have some power to, to restrict things. So I think you'll see the bigger cities, particularly Austin and Houston, probably Dallas too, because uh, Dallas, the county judge, has really been, he's almost been a mini-governor of Whitmer, if you can imagine that in Texas. Um, you're going to see, I think, county judges mandate more, and some businesses in, the, in those areas mandate more. But I was out in San Angelo a few weeks ago. San Angelo was out in sort of west-central Texas, and it was the first bit of normal I have felt in a long time. It wasn't that people weren't paying attention or being careful. They were. But they were also willing to have a conversation with you without a mask. And they didn't have to be 50 feet away from you in order to, to do that. And it, it, it felt like a throwback. It felt nice. So I think you'll see that. I think you'll see rural Texas and sort of the mid-sized cities um, return to normal more quickly than the larger cities. Interesting also that the governor went out to Lubbock to announce this. Uh, Lubbock, of course, is out in the energy space out in the Permian, and uh, Biden administration has been clamping down on, on domestic energy production and domestic business in general. And I think it's interesting that Governor Abbott went out there to to say, you know, this is this is Texas coming back, and this is Texas responding in the way that we will to, to this crisis. And is um, does Governor if, if Governor Abbott took a poll today, where would his popularity rating be? <laughs> Approval rate, not popularity. Yeah, that, that is an excellent question. Um, he's had an interesting year, to say the least. Uh, his, his initial handling of, of COVID didn't go over too well with a lot of folks around the state. There was that um, hairdresser that who was jailed last year. Oh, yeah, a lot of people yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah. Um, she ended up running for state senate and almost won the seat. No, didn't quite make it. Um, so he's, he's taken a hit from his core support on that, on being too restrictive, and on the other hand, on letting county judges in the liberal cities do too much. So he had that going on. And then the, the winter storm really didn't leave anyone covered in glory, certainly not ERCOT, the <laughs> entity that's supposed to manage our grid, which is a couple layers down from his direct management. Uh, so we saw a third of that board resign, and then we saw the chairman of the, you know, the bureaucracy above it resign yesterday. So all these are dense in what was a very popular record. Uh, before COVID, Abbott was one of the most popular governors in the entire country and was, I think, ranked as the best governor in the country by a couple of associations, and Texas was routinely ranked as the best state for business. I don't think, I don't think a lot of that's true anymore, and I, and I have to say, uh, if you had to look at governors now who've performed and who may have leapfrogged Abbott, you got to look at DeSantis in Florida and Nome as well as a couple of governors who mm-hmm. arguably leapfrogged Abbott in whatever race there might be for 2024. So Abbott, does he, does he have uh, presidential aspirations then? Does he look at those people as possible rivals to him? 
Well, I think it's fair to say that any governor of Texas ever in its history has presidential ambitions of one kind or another. Yeah. Um, so, and I wouldn't leave Governor Abbott out of that. And up, to, mm-hmm. up until COVID, like I said, he was popular. He was strong, one of the strongest governors in the country, and really seen as a contender. And I'm not saying he's not now. Um, but, this, you know, we've had this interesting patchwork around the states of different governors handling things in different ways. DeSantis has been open, I think, since September or thereabouts, and Florida's performance tracks really well with California's performance, where they shut down everything and Newsom is facing recall. Um, Abbott's been somewhere in between, much closer to DeSantis, certainly, than Newsom. Um, but he's taken some, some dents and scratches in his record over the past year or so. And like I said, the winter storm didn't help him at all. So he, he's got to find a way to, to change all that, and I think today helps a lot. Did you see uh, Governor Newsom's reaction on Twitter? <laughs> I did not see his reaction. What did he say? <laughs> One word. Reckless. That was his reaction. Uh, yeah. Reckless. Uh, yeah, Governor shot. Newsom, should, he should probably stick to his own situation there. He's facing recall. Yeah. He's been caught violating his own rules again. Um, right. And I'm Governor Newsom. You know, I might lay low a little bit, but that doesn't seem to be in his DNA. No. We're talking to Brian Preston of PJ Media, who happens to be in Texas, where uh, Governor Abbott came out with a big uh, announcement today that the state is going to go to 100% as of next Wednesday, and all mask mandates are going to be lifted. Uh, and when it comes to judging different governors in different states, we have an idiot here in Pennsylvania, and we know what's going on up in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, should, should Abbott be given a little bit of slack? Because, I mean, Texas is a pretty big state, and uh, it's got... If there's any place where you would think a one-size-fits-all approach would be a really bad idea, that's it. So he's had kind of a tough job, hasn't yeah. he? No, I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, you have big cities in Texas. The third largest city in the country is Houston. And you have two others in the top ten in San Antonio and Dallas, respectively. And you've got Austin, which is growing faster than a patch of dandelions. So you've got all that happening. And then you've got the rural parts of the state, which are enormous, and you've got the energy area, and you've got the Rio Grande Valley, and you've got the border. And don't forget that the border has an influence on COVID cases, too. Mexico has been a COVID hotbed for the last couple of weeks, maybe three weeks now. So you've got all that going on. So, yeah, one-size-fits-all approach I don't think works. And Abbott didn't really try to do that. He tried to give county judges uh, some respect and some leeway in their handling of it. But you have some county judges, particularly in Harris County, Bear County, and Dallas County, who are far left and who had um, totalitarian tendencies, I guess you might say, and they <laughs> took the ball and ran with it. So, yeah, is is um, is the so there's a big difference between how Texans you know, you, you can't make a, a general statement about how Texans are going to feel about this. Uh, move by Governor Abbott today or how he's handling it, it's going to just depend on where you are when you ask, I guess. That depends to a great extent. I do think a majority of Texans are going to be for this. I think a majority of Texans are ready to get back to normal life. And we've uh-huh. seen, we, you know, we've seen different states handle things in different ways. And I brought up Florida and California before, and we could throw New York into that too to some extent, although Cuomo has his own very serious issues. Right, right. But you see these states that, and they track their, their their graphs, their COVID cases graphs track whether they're shut down or not, whether they're mandating masks or not. It almost seems like the virus 
is viral and is going to behave in the way nature uh, intends to some extent. Yeah, so crazy, yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say these mandates are useless, but I wouldn't say they've exactly done a whole lot either. Yeah, and um, I, I uh, before I let you go, and we're talking to Brian Preston of PJ Media, and in case you haven't heard, uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas came out with an announcement today that the state is opening up 100 uh, percent as of next Wednesday, and all mask mandates are lifted. Um, and uh, I should mention, by the way, uh, Brian, and Brian is in Texas, so I want I should mention Brian that. Um, Mississippi's governor, Tate Reeves, who has the perfect name for a governor of, of Mississippi. Um, he, I mean, can you think of a better, that's like something that you in a, in a, uh, in a movie, that's, that's the name you would give to the governor of Mississippi. But um, he has come out and said it's 100% open. I think like immediately, everything's yeah. over. Mask mandate, done, everything. So is, is this the start of a trend? I'm, I'm hoping that. It sure looks that way. In fact, there's a, a far-left bunch called The Recount. You see them on social media a lot. They directly attributed Mississippi opening as a domino effect from Texas opening. Uh, you know, you could see the states across the southern Gulf Coast uh, roll up and, and open up. Uh, and, you know, I, I, mean, I think at this point, you know, we started out with two weeks to flatten the curve, and we'd started to work on two years to flatten the curve. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> we, we have to have an economy at some point. People have to be able to work. We have to get people back to living their lives to some extent, especially for a virus which, while it is deadly, and family members of mine have gotten it, it also has a, a, an above 99% survival rate. So we have to keep all that. We have to get kids back in school, too. So... You know, we have to have a country again. We have to have a normal country again. I can't say I'm shocked to see the left, especially Newsom, reacting the way they are. Uh, they like the power. They like the authority. Oh, and yeah. They like the fear. I think for the rest of us, though, we just, we just want to get back to work. So I got uh, while I have you here, i got to ask, because you wrote a piece at uh, PJ Media today that actually caught my eye uh, earlier today before this announcement, and that was that um, you raised the question about whether the I only have about two minutes left here, so uh, whether the sure. Alamo is going to be canceled, along with uh, the cat in the hat. Yeah, well, it is a threat, and uh, thank you for bringing this piece up. Um, it's something I've been worried about for a while. I used to have a role with the Alamo and the preservation project that's kind of faltered there now. Um, but there are forces within Texas and beyond who, of course, want to cancel all manner of heroic history, and, and history doesn't get much more heroic than the Alamo, and there are forces who are trying to cancel it. Texans and everyone else needs to be aware of that. And it's one thing for someone in government or someone in the media to start a campaign like that, but what might the reaction be around the San Antonio area if somebody started talking about, I don't know, boarding up the Alamo or blowing it up? Yeah, well, what they, would, what they would do is they would first pollute its story or they would change its story so the heroism is gone and they would accuse the defenders of, of racism and that sort of thing. And then over time, they would eventually minimize the element to the point that no one visits and then no one would care. I mean, that, that I think would be the strategy. If they tried to do anything physically to it now everyone would oppose it. In fact, San Antonio has done a great job of defending the Alamo during this period of statues being pulled down. I have to give them a great deal of credit for that. So the strategy wouldn't be to go directly for it now. The strategy, which they're doing through the Texas State Historical Association, is to chip away at the heroism and to chip away at what it means to Texans, which, of course, the Alamo really is the origin place of what it means to be a Texan, and they're going to chip away at that. 
Well, hey, I'm, I'm out of time, Brian. I appreciate it. The one, I went to the Alamo once, and the thing that impressed me the most was seeing a locket of Davy Crockett's hair. That's just me. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, was something about that. But, uh, hey, I really appreciate you doing this on short notice. Thanks a lot. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Okay. We'll have you on again. We'll be back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Drug maker Merck will help produce rival Johnson & Johnson's newly approved coronavirus vaccine in an effort to expand supply more quickly. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo facing calls for resignation from some members of his own party. As most leading Democrats signal, they want to wait the results of the Attorney General's investigation into claims the governor sexually harassed aides. Cuomo himself has avoided public appearances for days now. Family members say Vernon Jordan, a civil rights activist and former advisor to President Bill Clinton, has died. Jordan was 85. Stocks are finishing lower on Wall Street after a wobbly day, giving back some of their big gains from a day earlier. The Dow dropped 144 points. The Nasdaq was off 230. The S&P 500 down 31. This is SRN News. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936- 56 Larry Elder wants to put the shoe on the other foot. Shoe on the other foot. Trump remains in office for four more years by a margin of 43,000 votes in three states. Allegations of voter fraud, voter irregularity, blowing past deadlines come up. The Democrats' reaction is what? Had Trump won by 43,000 votes, we'd be kicking back going, okay, we'll get him next time. What are you smoking? The Larry Elder Show. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents. And Doug. Okay, class, let's bump it up to nine. Come on, Limu, keep peddling. We got to build our endurance to let more people know that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance. So you only pay for what you need. Don't talk to Lemu like that. I'm not. I'm talking to you. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Get a customized quote at LibertyMutual.com. Over 10 years ago, we realized how important saving family memories was, and we wanted to help. Legacy Box started from that passion and has now helped over 850,000 families digitally preserve their film reels, VHS tapes, and photos. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. 
What started with the two of us in a garage is now over 200 trained professionals. Legacy Box is a safe and secure way to put all your favorite family memories on an easy-to-view digital format like a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. We ship you a sturdy Legacy Box to fill with all your outdated media, safety barcodes to track your items throughout the process, and a prepaid mailing label. Legacy Box has been featured by Good Morning America and the Today Show. Not bad for two kids in a garage. That's true, Nick. And here's the best part. We always wanted to make it affordable to preserve your entire collection. So we are offering 40% off. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to take advantage of this exclusive offer. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40%. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. If you're on the Parkway East, you're going to see congestion on the outbound side, slowing you down Monroeville up to the Turnpike, and on the inbound side, slowing as well into the tunnel and 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge, looking pretty solid. Inbound Parkway West, minor delay, Banksville Road into the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound 28, that's hanging on to some slowdowns from Grand Avenue up to the Highland Park Bridge. Flooding still shutting down Mon Wharf and 10th Street Bypass. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Tonight we'll see clear skies. Expect a low tonight of 27. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. Tomorrow's high, 56. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies with a low of 30. Thursday will be breezy with sunshine and a few clouds. Thursday will be a little bit cooler with a high of 35. Weatherproof your next adventure with AccuWeather. Download the newly redesigned AccuWeather app today. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's some good news for Andrew Cuomo coming up on Thursday. I think he's about to get bumped off the front page or off the top story. Derek Chauvin's uh, trial starts in Minneapolis. He's this cop accused of murdering George Floyd. What are his chances of getting a fair trial? Not good, uh, according to George Perry, a former state and federal prosecutor and a writer at the American Spectator. He joins us now. George, thanks for coming on. Glad to be with you, John. So um, your piece, uh, the headline is, it's a countdown to a kangaroo court. So I get the feeling you don't think his chances are very good of getting a fair, fair trial. No, they're not. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, if you look at the real evidence in the George Floyd case, not just the selectively edited video that everybody's familiar with, mm-hmm. the real evidence, the complete evidentiary record, strongly supports the defense and establishes that those police officers did not kill George Floyd. But the fact of the matter is, this case is being brought to trial in Minneapolis, which is, which is number one, a loony bin, but number two, <laughs> it is, has been the scene of massive rioting and violence and looting in the wake of George Floyd's death, and they are fortifying the courthouse, they're fortifying the jail, the police precincts, they're bringing in the National Guard all because of their fear that if there is an acquittal of Derek Chauvin, there's going to be another wave of rioting and violence and looting and burning. And indeed, there will. 
Um, mm-hmm. So the point I make in my article is, how in the world can Derek Chauvin hope to obtain a fair and impartial jury that is not intimidated by the prevailing aura of potential mob violence if the jury should act on the evidence, the clear evidence of innocence, and vote to acquit Derek Chauvin. So I don't think he can get a fair trial in Minneapolis or Hennepin County, and the case needs to be moved far away uh, to a a remote location in Minnesota so he could have some hope of of receiving justice. Um, And uh, you are a former prosecutor. Um, How would you feel about, um, well, let's let's put you in the the position of the defense. How would Mm -hmm. you even go about um, uh, selecting a jury and and finding 12 people who you could, would believe that that would give him a fair shot? Well, here's, here's the problem. Look, I've actually tried a number of a very, I was a Philadelphia lawyer until recently. Uh, I've been at this racket for 50 years, uh-huh. and I, I've been involved in some very high profile and very contentious and bitter cases. And the problem, it comes down to this. They're using a, a written jury questionnaire to try and speed up the, the selection process. And it goes into the potential jurors' attitudes, their knowledge of the case, whether they have a fixed opinion, and on and on and on. But there's a throwaway question in there, and there's this is used in every criminal case. And it basically says, okay, even if you believe the defendant is guilty, you believe he ought to be strung up from a light pole, can you put that opinion aside and decide the case solely on the evidence that you'll hear in this courtroom and follow the law as it's given to you by the, by the judge and decide this case in a fair and impartial manner? There is no potential juror who is ever going to say an answer to that question, hey, I can't be fair. They right. always say they can be fair, and that means that the defense has to use a peremptory challenge to get rid of that person. They can't challenge them for cause. And the defense will be limited to, in Pennsylvania, for example, they, they would be limited to seven peremptory challenges that they could use for whatever, for whatever purpose they want. They don't have to have a reason to get rid of a juror using a peremptory challenge. So if you've got enough people who are willing to answer that question, oh, yeah, I can be fair, Chauvin's going to trial. And he's going to be going to trial before a jury that, you know, no rational human being on that jury is going to think that if they vote to acquit Chauvin, the mob isn't going to turn on them. I mean, they're going to have to live, those jurors are going to have to live in fear that if they vote to acquit that the mob violence could be turned on them and their families, their businesses, their neighborhoods. And so Chauvin starts out with virtually no hope of getting a fair trial in Hennepin County. And uh, what's interesting about this, too, uh, the obvious thing is that the race is going to play such a big part in this. Um, What you just described for a juror, it would actually be worse for a black juror 
to go back if he lives in a, a neighborhood with uh, with mostly uh, black people uh, to yeah. go back to a neighborhood, especially one that suffered from the violence, and say, "Yeah, I voted to acquit." How's how's he gonna? Yeah. How's he or she gonna do that? Absolutely, absolutely. Look, a number of years ago, my wife, who who is clearly Irish, has the map of Ireland on her face, uh-huh. was picked to serve on a criminal jury in Philadelphia Common Pleas Court in a case involving a robbery of a tavern literally within 100 feet of our house. <laughs> and she came home and said, hey, I've been picked to serve on this jury. And I thought to myself, who is the idiot who put her on this jury? Do they really think she's going to come back here to the hood and brag to everybody that she voted to acquit the guy who stuck up the tavern? Of course yeah. not. And it's the same thing with, with the black jurors, with anybody living in, in Minneapolis. Nobody's going to say, you know, hey, I, I looked at the evidence and Chauvin didn't do it because they don't need that kind of aggravation. And, and like I say, I, I think you can looking at the preparations that they're making for for violence and the outbreak of rioting in Minneapolis, it's clear that there is an aura of fear and that's going to infect the jury and there is nobody in his right mind who's going to become a juror in that case and vote to acquit Derek Chauvin. Not because the evidence doesn't warrant it, but because they don't want to become a victim of the violence themselves. But what about the fact that if they're so confident that they can get a a, a, a guilty verdict, why do they mm-hmm. feel the need to, to uh, turn it into a war zone, as you describe it? Well, because they know, the, the prosecution knows, that they've got a very weak case. And I go into that in my, in, in my uh, article that you're referring to. The fact of the matter is, if you look at what they're arguing is you had four police officers in broad daylight wearing body-worn cameras recording their every move who calmly and deliberately set about murdering George Floyd in front of eyewitnesses who themselves had video cameras. I mean, that's their starting point, and that makes no sense. Nobody is that crazy. But when you get into the medical evidence, what what is beyond question is that what happened here is Floyd starts shouting, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, before he's on the ground, before anybody is kneeling on the side of his neck. That's for openers. And the question becomes, why was he having difficulty breathing while he was still upright and mobile? And the answer is that at autopsy, they found that his lungs were filled with fluid. And why were they filled with fluid? Because they also found at autopsy that he had a massive overdose of fentanyl in his system. And fentanyl causes pulmonary edema, which is a buildup of fluid in the lungs. And it also depresses respiration. That's why you have Floyd shouting, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then you get into this fatal interview by the FBI of the medical examiner, which they tried to hide. They withheld this from the defense for many months, but they, they finally had to turn it over. And the medical examiner says, look, if you look at the video, doesn't show Chauvin occluding Floyd's airway. The positioning of, of Chauvin's body and knee on Floyd's neck, 
he's not blocking Floyd's airway. And obviously he wasn't. He was kneeling on the side of Floyd's neck. And the Minneapolis Police Department taught Chauvin how to do that, just the way they taught all of their officers how to do that. That was a standard restraint, standard restraining technique, kneeling on the side of the neck. So that's where the prosecution is. They know that there is plenty of evidence to support an acquittal for Chauvin. And so that's why these guys are running around the city administration is running around out there preparing for the worst because they, there's plenty of evidence to support Chauvin's position. And it just might happen that, you know, Chauvin gets acquitted and then all hell will break loose in Minneapolis. We're talking to George Perry. His piece is up at American Spectator. Um, and he's written a lot about this and that you actually narrated a, a video uh, called Who Killed George Floyd, um, and um, you used the body cams from all four uh, police officers, right? Yeah, yeah, that and video taken by some of the civilian witnesses, plus there was a stationary video camera uh, that, that got some good shots of what was going on right there at the scene. And when you put that entire video record together, it becomes clear that these police did not kill George Floyd. They, as a matter of fact, they were remarkably kind to George Floyd. Now, I know it sounds strange to say that, mm-hmm. but when they were trying to get Floyd seated in the patrol car, and he's freaking out and yelling and screaming that he can't breathe, he can't breathe, and he's panicking, and he said, I got claustrophobia. You know, I can tell you, if if these had been Philly cops 30 years ago, they just would have clubbed him over the head and thrown him in the wagon. These guys are saying, well, we'll roll down the window on the squad car. We'll turn on the air conditioning for you. I mean, I'm looking at this, and and I'm thinking, holy cow, these guys are more like social workers than they are like old-fashioned cops. And so Floyd continues on like this, even though they're – they're trying to accommodate him, and he is the one. Floyd is the one who says, I want to go down. I want to go down, meaning he wanted them. He was only partially partway into the, into the patrol car, and he starts shouting, I want to go down. I want to go down. So they said, all right, look, if, if he'll be more comfortable laying outside. Let's do that. So they take him out of the car, and they put him on the ground, and that's where you have Chauvin using the officially approved neck restraint kneeling on the side of Floyd's neck. And that's the point at which the effect of the fentanyl fully kicks in and Floyd begins to expire saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And everybody looks at that and says, well, obviously what happened here is that this cop kneeling on his neck killed him and the other cops went along with it. Well, you know, it's just when you, as I say, when you get into the actual evidence, and what those police officers did, they were extraordinarily considerate of Floyd. As a matter of fact, one of them even got in the ambulance and did CPR on Floyd all the way to the hospital. Now, so, and George, uh, the jurors are going to see, are they going to see the video that you did? I doubt, I doubt they would see the, the video that I did, but I, I would hope that the court would allow the jurors to see all of the relevant video. I mean, the entire video record, uh, 
because the, the, the video record that set off a thousand riots and has led to all of this mayhem is highly, highly edited and selective. And it does not show what really happened. And the main thing it doesn't show is that Floyd started shouting. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe while he was still upright and mobile. And nobody from the prosecution side wants to talk about that because that fact alone just knocks the struts right out from underneath the prosecution case. If Floyd couldn't breathe while he's still standing up, then what does Chauvin using an officially approved neck restraint on the side of his neck. He wasn't kneeling on his throat. He was kneeling on the side of his neck. What has that got to do with killing him? And the answer is it doesn't have anything with killing him. It's, it's totally irrelevant, but it just looks bad. Well, George, uh, you're a former prosecutor. Um, oh, what's, yeah. what's up with the prosecutor uh, doing something that could result in Derek Chauvin going to prison for a long time? Uh, knowing that it's, well, what, that it's that it's not that that he's being deprived of a fair trial. Well, look who the prosecutor is. It's Keith Ellison, yeah, formerly of the Nation of Islam, who who's been a hustler his whole life. When I say Minneapolis is a loony bin, to a greater extent, all of Minnesota is a loony bin. They elected this guy attorney general. Yeah. How a guy like Keith Ellison can become attorney general of state much less dog catcher is beyond me but there you are and that's who is driving this prosecution and you know one of the other things i go into in my article which which nobody wants to talk about is the defense filed a motion to have the trial coverage live streamed so that everybody could see the evidence and Keith Ellison has opposed that motion bitterly, and the, the judge has, has ordered that there is going to be a live stream so the public will be able to watch what goes on in the trial. And Ellison went back to the judge and said, no, you've got to reverse that ruling. The question becomes, why in the world would the prosecutor not want the public to see all of the evidence from the courtroom? And it seems to me the answer is obvious because they know that their case, if it's held up to the cold light of day, doesn't hold water. Yeah, well, um, I'm out of time, uh, George. Uh, this is really good stuff. Uh, you can see the piece at The Spectator. Um, and also, uh, you've done a lot of uh, other uh, articles on this and a lot of research into it and the video. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I just, uh, today, by the way, before I go really quickly, I saw... Happened to stumble upon Doctor Oz, who had two people on saying that there are other two medical examiners who are going to disagree with what you just said about how he died. I, real quick, if you can, well, I got about thirty yeah, seconds. Yeah, one of one of them is my good friend Michael Baden, the former uh, medical examiner from the city of New York, who's had a TV show. Uh, that actually had a number of TV shows yeah. about his career. He's a wonderful man. He's a terrific uh, forensic pathologist. And I am not a forensic pathologist, but I'll tell you right now, I have common sense and I've worked with enough. Well, actually, I've used Dr. Biden any number of times in my cases. I have only the highest respect for him. But I just think he's flat out wrong in this thing. And the big problem that the prosecution has is that the official medical examiner, Dr. Baker, the Hennepin County medical yeah. examiner, if you read I'm, I'm, the FBI 302, he basically supports the defense. Yep. Hey, I'm, so I'm out of time, George. I'm up against okay. a hard break. 
I got to go. I really okay. appreciate you coming on. Hope to have you on again while this is going on. Thanks. Okay. We'll, we'll be right back. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. They're made in the USA, and for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium my pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. That's regularly sixty nine ninety eight. That's a forty dollar savings. Kings are only five dollars more. All my pillow products come with a ten year warranty and a sixty day money back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. 800-716-8087, promo code STAG. This is Dennis Prager, along with my fellow host, Mike Gallagher. We both want to invite you to join us for a trip of a lifetime to the Holy Land this October 27th to November 5th. I've been all over the world, but I can never get enough of the great state of Israel. You will be amazed and inspired in your faith. Dennis and I have planned every detail, minute by minute, of this trip to make sure you have the best experience possible. We're confident by October our trip will be safe, especially because Israel is the leading country in the world in COVID vaccinations. Join us as we sail on the Sea of Galilee in boats that are replicas of the ones Jesus sailed in with his disciples. Walk the steps of the old city of Jerusalem and join us for a Shabbat service that will reenact the old traditions. It's something you'll never forget. Go to StandWithIsraelTour.com to reserve your spot or call 855-565-5519. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Aren't you ready to travel again? We are. So come join us. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So you heard George Perry say that uh, there are other uh, uh, opinions on what happened, including uh, the, uh, the the guy he mentioned and, and that he knows. And I have a little personal experience with this, um, being involved in a, a lawsuit and uh, as a, with an auto accident. You, the the insurance company asks you to go. They say they want their doctor to to examine you. And I know from personal experience that you, you if you're not, if you haven't done this before, you you assume that well, it's a doctor. I'm going to go in and uh, I'm going to be examined, and it'll it'll be done fairly. And uh, and though that's not how it works, the doctors are hired by lawyers who have hired them before, knowing that 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 the doctor understands. That uh, the lawyer wants a opinion, an opinion that's contrary to the one that the the uh, the plaintiff is presenting, and so you go to the uh, you go to be examined. And again, I know this from personal experience. You don't go in there with the idea that you are going to be examined uh, as a patient the way you would be if you were just coming in as a patient instead of as a plaintiff in a lawsuit. And so it's called it's it's called an IME. An independent medical exam, and uh, if you're lucky, your case will be strong enough that the doctor that they hire to look at you will will agree with your doctors. But it doesn't always happen, so that's what you're dealing with on a much much bigger scale here with George Floyd. 
Uh, and I don't think there's any way that uh, Derek Chauvin is guilty of murder. Not in any way is he guilty of murder. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.